This is an audio sermon recorded at the Church of Christ at Johnson Mill in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 3801 Johnson Mill Boulevard. It's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Uh, it's been a wonderful worship service so far. Thankful for the extra uh, the visitors, the extra voices that we have uh, to help with the singing. It's been a wonderful song selected and And this morning, I hope that that continues as we open the Bible and study a portion of God's Word. This morning, I want to talk to you about the sacrifice of obedience. Uh, This is is something, as as we'll see, uh, is shown to us over and over again throughout the Scriptures. And and there's a very recurring theme and very recurring process, as we find uh, in in the Bible. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning there in, in verse 35 the writer of Hebrews is encouraging Christians to, to remain steadfast in their service to God. And he tells them this, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now in these words, there's somewhat of a process laid out here that we can find throughout the scriptures. And that process is this, have faith, he tells them. That's where the confidence comes from. That's where their patience and their endurance comes from. Uh, He says you need patience so that after you have done the will of God, that is obedience, so you have faith that leads to obedience, that's the outcome of our faith, and the outcome of our faith and obedience is a blessing from God. He says you have need of patience so that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And so this process is, is, it plays out from the beginning of creation, from Genesis chapter 1 all the way throughout the scriptures. This is true of all of God's people. If we have faith and obedience, we will receive a blessing from God. And it's true for us today. Now, this process plays out in in many small ways and big ways throughout our life over and over again in view of that larger reward and that blessing that we'll receive that we just sang about. At at His feet we'll lay down our our burdens and we'll receive a great crown of glory. And it's all in view of that great day to come. Faith and obedience will equal a blessing constantly. Now the writer of Hebrews encourages them continually, and it flows from chapter 10 there, the end of chapter 10, into chapter 11. And in chapter 11, we find many wonderful examples of of people of faith that encourage them to be faithful, and that encourages us to be faithful. He starts there in Hebrews chapter 1, beginning by explaining faith, explaining faith to them and helping them to understand a bit about faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And so what the the writer explains to, to them here as he writes, faith is evidence, it's evidence for things that are eternal, things that we cannot see with our physical nature. Um, he points out all creation. The things that we see, the creation, the physical things, point to the eternal source, which is God, who we cannot see. It's a spiritual source. And proper faith helps us to understand and have confidence in what we don't see. That is the spiritual things, the eternal Godhead and and power of God, it it said in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, I believe. Uh, So faith... When we look at faith properly, it's the confident assurance that God is. That's what faith is, and that's what he's relating to them here in in beginning Hebrews chapter 11 here. So where does that faith 
come from? How do we even derive this faith? Do we, do we look to ourselves? Do we, do we just feel? How do we get faith? How do we grow in this confident assurance? Well, the Bible tells us that too. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith, if we want proper, appropriate faith that God wants us to have, that's going to lead to that obedience, it must come from hearing the word of God. That's the right source that we need to produce the right type of faith that God wants from us. Now, sometimes we might look to ourselves as a source of faith, and, and I'll, I'll admit to you that I've done that. I'm going to kind of share a bit of an embarrassing story here, um, a little bit, but uh, now I was, I was a brand new Christian, and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what, what the Bible taught, uh, and uh, I thought that I needed to prove somehow that I believed in God. I thought I need to prove that I'm living by faith and not by sight, and uh, now this is going to sound silly, so... So, but just bear with me here. There's a point. So at times when I was driving down the road, I would close my eyes and see how long I could keep my eyes closed while driving. <laughs> I know. It was, it was an immature action because I didn't have appropriate faith. I didn't have the right kind of faith. But see, in my mind, the longer I could keep my eyes closed was a measure of how much faith I really had. And if I couldn't keep them open long enough or closed long enough because I was afraid of, of crashing the car, well, then I, I, I just really started doubting myself. Do I really have faith in God or not? And as foolish as that is, it, because it is, that's not real faith. And sometimes we might live our life that way, trying to do those types of things to prove somehow from our own self, from our own understanding, that, that that is evidence that God is with us. Because that's what I was doing. I was looking to my own understanding as evidence that I could trust God because I did not yet have the evidence that comes from hearing the Word of God. And so the source was wrong, and so the outcome was wrong. I was looking to myself. I wasn't looking to the Word. And if I was looking to the Word, I would find that God never asked me to do anything like that. God never requires us to do anything like that, in order to prove that, that we are faithful or that He is with us. That's the other thing I wanted confidence in, is that God is with me. And so, so I was trying to make up my own way of doing this. And so because I didn't have the right source, I wasn't producing the right action. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1, the writer encourages us. He says, Keep thy foot when thou goest into the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. It was a foolish sacrifice that I was trying to give God. I was trying to prove to Him that I was faithful in a way that He never asked me to, to do. Uh, and, and when we do that type of thing because we're not hearing the Word of God, instead we're rushing to God, giving Him a sacrifice that we think will be acceptable to Him, that He'll be pleased with, that He'll like. What it says here, we're, we're doing something evil. It is evil to give God something that He doesn't want from you, that He never asked for. And so, again, in that example, I was coming to God, giving Him something I made up on my own, for my own understanding, instead of just hearing what He wanted me to give Him. Because what He really wanted from me was something totally different. He, that, that, that's what His Word taught me, would, or what, I would have, what I've come to learn since then, of course, is that His Word teaches me totally different 
actions to prove that he is with me and that I am with him. Uh, but we do that type of thing and we look for signs. And people live this way all the time. And we might do this in, in other ways. We might not go down the road with our eyes closed, but we might look for signs. We might look for some meaning in things and events in our life to prove to ourselves that God is with us or that we are faithful to God. In Luke chapter 18, 28, as Jesus went about ministering to people, this woman comes to him and says, blessed be the woman that gave birth to, to the Christ and, and all these things. And Jesus re- corrected her and he said, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. That's who Jesus said were blessed. And it says, when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign and there shall be no sign given it, but the sign of, the, of Jonas, the prophet. We live our lives sometimes looking for signs, hoping that God does hear our prayers, that God is with us, that God is blessing me in my life. You know, I talked to a, a man who was going through, uh, he was going through a situation in his life. He was trying to understand and figure out kind of what his path forward in life was going to be. And he was prone to take trips to, to Colorado. And, you know, there's a lot of elk out there. That's a kind of a, a, a highly populated place for, for elk, from what I understand. He was constantly in prayer to God. And, and the other thing that was true is that every time he'd gone on a vacation to Colorado, he hadn't seen many elk or any elk in the wild. And so he decided to ask God, show me an elk in Colorado as proof that you are hearing my prayer. That's the same type of thing as going down the road with your eyes closed. Because we're looking for a sign as proof to give ourselves confidence that God is listening to our prayers rather than just going to his word and letting that tell us how God hears our prayers or if he will hear our prayers or not. Because the word teaches us those things. The prayers are with, uh, his ears are open to the prayers of the righteous, the Bible tells us. So if we're faithful and obedient to God, we can have confidence that He's hearing our prayers. We don't need to make up some sign. We don't need to look for some, some proof or some signal that God is listening to us. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe when things are going right in our life, we got that job we wanted, we got that house we wanted, our health is as good as we want it to be, we got that car that we needed, well then somehow we get this great positive feeling and we're just sure that God is with us. But what about when things go wrong? Then we're thinking, well, maybe God, maybe he isn't with me. Why isn't God blessing me? And so sometimes the signal we're looking for is our feelings. That's what we base our faith on and, and our confidence in God is just the way we feel in life. Um, you know, and, and there's many people out there that live th- that way, like these, like these people saying, show us a sign. These people wanted proof that Jesus was from God, that Jesus was who he says he was. But Jesus tells them rightly, the only proof they needed was to hear the word of God. That's the sign that they needed. Because these Jews, if, if they had remembered the things that were written in the scriptures about the, the Messiah, they would see. That, that was enough, that they, that's the information they needed to produce confidence that now what they're seeing in Christ is everything that was written in the days of old. And they could have believed if they had just believed the word. But instead they were looking for a sign. So they were looking for the wrong source. To produce, and it produced the wrong type of action. They had doubt. Show us a sign. Show us you're really the Messiah. And so we might do the same thing looking to other sources, but the truth is, as Jesus says here in Luke 11, the only sign and proof we need is His Word. 
That's the best thing that we could look to, and, and it is enough. The Bible is enough to show us that God is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. We don't need any external sign or any external signal or, or some special feeling to prove that God is with us or that we are with God. Um, because the Word is the foundation upon which our lives are built. And if we trust that, that's going to, that, that will see us through and, and, and help us because that's what we need the most. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, verse 7, Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. Unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. The, the Bible for those, the, the Word of God, the Scriptures, Christ is the foundation for those who believe. If we have this, the Scriptures, the right source, it will be a, a solid foundation for us and it will lead us to obedience. But if we don't, if we don't have the right source and we're looking for the wrong thing, it's not going to produce the right type of faith and it's going to lead us to disobedience. And we will, it'll cause us to reject, reject God and, and produce something evil because we're giving Him a sacrifice of fools, it says in, like it says in Ecclesiastes. Um, and we can trust the Scriptures. That's the thing. We can trust and believe in the Scriptures, in the accounts that we have of the real people that lived that went through these real experiences because God helped them through these things. And in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, there's an account here of, of Balaam. He's trying to uh, be influenced to, to curse the children of Israel. But I just want to notice one thing that he says here while he's prophesying. He says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and he shall not make it good? Those are questions that we can ask ourselves and have the, the, the answer. And the more we know the Scriptures, the more confident we, we will be in, in those questions. God is who He says He is, and He will do what He says we will do, uh, and, and He will do what He says He will do, rather. Has He not spoken, and shall He not make it good? We can trust that God will follow through with what He says He will do. So the Scriptures are reliable information we can trust, that builds up our confidence in God more and more as we grow in that. Um, because when we have the, the right faith, it'll produce the right action. Paul spoke about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. He says, We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. The apostles were convinced because of the Word of God and because of the power of the Word of God, and that led them to put their life on the line continually. And, and Paul talks about that here in this chapter. The, the terrible things that they went through to preach the gospel of Christ. And the only reason they were compelled to do that and have that action is because they believed. They had the right kind of faith that led to the right kind of outcome. That is, the action was they spoke and they went out and taught the word of God. So faith allows us to confidently respond to God with the right kind of action that he actually wants from us. So imagine... Uh, if, as we're thinking about this, imagine if you set out to build a home all on your own with no knowledge of how to build a house or any level of knowledge of construction. That would be me. I don't know a lot of, uh, about those things. I would not be very confident in starting that project. I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know where to start. I could make it up all on my own, and if I do that, the house I build is not going to be that great. It's going to be pretty terrible. And so 
on the flip side, if I had understanding, if I had knowledge, if I had experience about construction and building a home, then I could approach that thing confidently. And my actions and my, my attitude would be totally different in approaching that project. And so that's the same thing with the Word of God. If we have no idea what the Bible teaches, we're going to live our life without confidence. Doing, we're going to make up our own way. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to look to, to these signs, look to our feelings as a measure of whether or not God is with us or we are with Him, instead of just having confidence built up by His Word. That will change our actions and help us to do the right things. And not just do the right things, but do those with confidence. Um, because ultimately, God wants us to learn and grow in His Word and do those things. He does not want us to live life with our eyes closed, unaware of where to go, unsure of what to do, not knowing what we're going to experience. He wants us to live with our eyes open and understand where He wants us to go, understand what He wants us to do, understand what, he, uh, what we will experience if we do these things, if, that if we have faith and obedience, we will receive a blessing for that. Or that when we're going through hard times and difficult times, he gives us the information we need to, to approach these situations with our eyes wide open. Uh, so that leads to a question. How can we be sure then? How can we be sure that having the right kind of faith will allow us to make the right kind of sacrifice and ultimately be rewarded from God? Well, that seems to follow in Hebrews chapter 11. So he tells them about this this process. He tells them about these things, to have confidence, to do the will of God, to receive the reward. He begins to tell them about faith, and then he goes on into giving him, giving uh, these Christians examples. So in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 6, we start getting a lot of examples that teach us why and how we can be sure that if we do these things, God will bless us. He starts there in verse number 6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. You see, if we don't have the right kind of faith, it will be impossible to do what God wants us to do. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that dil diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called out to go to a place which he should uh, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in a land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky, and uh, so many, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. The writer here gives us just the examples he gives us here alone are are incredible examples of people that had faith. They believed and had confidence in the God in God because they had the right source. They had God's. Uh, God's word and God had communicated to them and shown them these things and that, had, that faith empowered them to go where they had never gone before Abraham was, he was called to go into a country which he had never been before that's not blind faith going somewhere where you've never gone before 
That's true faith because he knew that because God said he would bless him, that he was going to be blessed if he followed through with the action God wanted from him. That is going to this, to this new place that was going to be his inheritance. Faith empowered them to do what they had never done before. Imagine Noah having to build an ark because he's never seen rain before. But he knows and trusts God. He knows because of the things that he's heard of and, and the knowledge that he has of God. And so he builds this ark, something he's never done before. He builds this ark. And, and he follows through with that action. And in Genesis chapter 6, 22, it says, Noah did everything that God asked him to do. And he was blessed and he saved himself and his household. What about Sarah? She was 90 years old when she had a child. That's something she'd never done before. That's something she'd never experienced before. She was past age, barren this whole time, and then all of a sudden, the promise that God made to her that she would have a child was fulfilled. And so at 90 years old, she gives birth to Isaac and then, and then raises him up. So faith empowered them. And faith enabled these characters or these people, these faithful people that we read about, to do things that were very difficult. And many more are given. Many other examples are given through the Scriptures. We read through Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 33. He says, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the, fire, the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, torment, tormented. All of these people went through all types of things because their, their faith led them to obey God, even when it meant giving up their own life. And all of these people were doing it in view of something greater. He goes on and says, these all died in faith, not having received the promise. They were looking for this great Redeemer that was coming. They were looking for Christ. And they didn't get to experience that, but they will receive a reward and, and a blessing because of their faith. But this shows us how faith can, can enable us to live in view of some greater reward. And God will still bless us in, in, our, in our present life because faith and obedience equals a reward. And all of these examples help us learn. In fact, Romans chapter 15, verse 4, when we think about these stories of the Old Testament and we see these incredible things that people did and these incredible things that people went through, we can remember this. He says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. This builds up hope in us because God gives us these examples filled that fill the pages of the Scriptures to show us that other human beings with problems in their life, with extreme emotions that they went through, with terrible struggles that they faced, with horrible trials that they endured, with incredible amounts of pain that they suffered, and yes, even their sinfulness that they had to work through, those humans, those people could be faithful to God, and so can you. That's the reason God gives us these ex examples. We can be faithful to God. 
How do we know? Because they did it. And they're the example that, that is there for us. And in fact, it's a great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, watching us, and it's as if we're in this race that we're running. And they're watching. Imagine a stadium filled with these, these great heroes of faith, even Christ himself. It says in Romans, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, there as he concludes and goes into chapter 12, he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. We're surrounded by these great witnesses that we have, these people of old that endured these things, that went through these things, that gave God the, the sacrifice of obedience throughout their life in view of that greater reward. And because they did it, we can do it too, he says. So let, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, this is the greatest example we have of somebody having faith and endurance and confidence and obedience to God and receiving a reward. He says, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. See, Jesus knew, he knows that God is and that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He had true faith. And because he had true faith, he endured the cross. That's the obedience that he yielded to God. And, and what was the outcome of that? Because he endured the cross. Despising the shame, it says, and he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He had faith that led to obedience, that led to a blessing. That's the process, and it plays out even here with Christ as we see. The greatest example that we have of the sacrifice of obedience. These examples teach us about this so that we can know that we ought to do the same thing. So I want to talk just a little bit about that sacrifice of obedience and, and what it means and why it's so important. Well, first of all, it's because God has always expected this of, of humanity. He's always expected this of mankind. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, he says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's our responsibility as, as people, as creations of God, made in His image. We were created to obey Him. That's what... Uh, Adam and Eve were created to do, but we know the story. They fell in the garden, they committed sin, and they caused sin and death to enter the world. But since that time, God has worked to restore us to holiness through obedience because that's what He wants from us. He wants us to obey Him. Keeping His commandments, that means obeying His will, listening to what God wants and giving Him what He's asked for. As time goes on, we see the history of God doing this and carrying about this, this promise of redemption and restoring us to holiness through our obedience, and we come to the Israelites. Think about the Israelites. They were enslaved by the Egyptians, and uh, they were in this, this low position, and it really is a great picture of us being captured by sin and death, and we're oppressed by this great enemy, but it's God who rescues them from that, and so they go from servants and slaves and they were elevated to the status of kings and priests among God's, uh, as God's people. That's what he told them. I, he called them out of Egypt, and he says, Be unto me a kingdom of priests. And so they go from slaves to these, this kingdom of priests under one condition. Jeremiah chapter 7, God explains this in verse 22. He says, For I spake not to your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices, but this thing I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. 
When God called the Israelites out of Egypt, he says, I, he wasn't concerned with these burnt offerings and sacrifice. You know what he was most concerned with? Their obedience. He wanted their heart. He wanted them to follow him. And he says, if you do this, I will be your God. I will be with you. You will be with me if you obey. If they would just given, have given God the sacrifice of obedience, then they all would have been well with them, he says. And so they had many instances of, of hardships and sufferings that God saw them through, but many instances of hardship and suffering because of the consequence of sin, because they were disobedient to God, and they brought that upon themselves. But God wanted to bless them all along. But he says, just give me your obedience. And in Micah chapter 6, we read about God's pleading to Israel and the questions that, that people might have. And they're really questions we have about obedience. What is it that God wants from us? And how does God want us to give those things? In Micah chapter 6, we read, Where, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord to bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Is that what we need to do? Do we need to come to God with year-old calves? Something very uh, precious, this great sacrifice, this beautiful, wonderful thing? Is that a sacrifice that we'll do? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? Or even 10,000 rivers of oil? Is that what we need to do? We need to come to God. It's not just about the quality of our sacrifice. It's about the quantity of our sacrifice. So we need this great number of things that we need to do and sacrifice to God. Is that, is, was that the sacrifice that we'll do? Is that what God will be pleased with? Shall I give the firstborn, my firstborn for, the, for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Do we need to give something very precious and very dear to ourselves in order to make recompense for, for the sins of our life? Is that what God wants us to do? No. Verse 8, he says, He has showed me, O man, what is good. And what, what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. That's the sacrifice that God wants from us, the sacrifice of obedience. That means more to God than anything we can think to give Him of great quality, of great quantity, or something very near and dear to us. He just wants our real obedience driven out of love for Him. Proverbs chapter 21, to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. That's the best thing you could give God. The best thing you could give God is just simply our obedience. And why is it that obeying God is the best kind of sacrifice? Because it gets down into our heart and into our mind. When we yield ourselves to God, it's getting down into our heart and our mind. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Know ye not that, that so many, excuse me, know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are, to whom you obey? That tells us right there it's a choice. You get to decide what you're going to do and who you're going to follow and whose servant you're going to be whether it's sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. You see, the writer is expressing to them the fact that their choice came from the heart, and that's what God wants from us. He wants obedience that comes from within, that's truly uh, meaningful, that's truly desiring to, to submit ourselves to His will. 
And so when we are making the sacrifice of obedience, it means we are making a choice and giving up our own desire. It is a sacrifice that we're making before God. That's why it's so special to God. And it means that we're choosing to follow Him and His will over our own. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, the Bible says that we have this great, wonderful weapon for our warfare, this spiritual warfare that we're in. We have this great weapon that is capable of helping us do what? Cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This word, His word, helps us to do those things. And yielding the sacrifice of obedience means we're giving Him our choices, we're choosing to follow His will, and we're bringing our heart, our heart into alignment with God's will and with God's holiness. And the more and more we can give that obedience, the better and better that will be for us, and the more we'll grow and, and be strengthened and mature in our faith and, and in our spiritual development. And this is an ongoing, lifelong process. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is ongoing. This is perpetual. This isn't a one-time thing. You can't just do some good things uh, during, during the week. Maybe it's Sunday, so we're going to act our best and then go on doing whatever we want throughout the week. No, it's a continual sacrifice of obedience that we're giving to God. Give Him something that is holy, acceptable, which is our reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's the transformation that God wants from us, from a self-willed, worldly life that's only thinking about ourselves and our needs and our desires to a self-sacrificing, holy life that is looking out for other people and looking out for the will of God and giving Him, uh, yielding our obedience to Him and His will. And again, notice it's ongoing. We don't, we, we don't ever get to stop giving God our obedience. We're a continual living sacrifice. And that process of doing this over and over again, it helps the more and more we practice this. It's like exercising and building up this muscle of obedience to God and His will. The more and more we do that, the better and better it will be for us. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16, that we should live as obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. The fact that he tells them not to fashion themselves after this, this, these worldly things or former lusts tells us again, it reinforces the, the idea that the scriptures share with us is that our obedience is a choice. We can, we can choose to fashion ourselves to the former lusts in our ignorance, or we can choose to fashion ourselves according to God and His holiness. That's the transformation. And as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or your conduct or your way of life. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Obedience is how God helps to craft us into his image. And again, there's that term that, that Peter uses here, fashioning yourselves. This is work. There's work to be done with purpose and with intention. Not with our eyes closed. Not willy-nilly. We're not going to accidentally become holy. We're not going to accidentally become God's people or be faithful or do the things. And we're not going to accidentally obey Him. It is with purpose. It is with intention. We are fashioning ourselves as, as, the, as we take the chisel of God's Word to our, to our life and hammer away and start stripping things away that are not holy, that are not good, that are not righteous, that are not aligned with His will. We, we yield the sacrifice of obedience over and over again. 
the more we do that, the more we become to look like the image of Christ in our life. That's what God wants from us. And so as we take that chisel, sometimes that might mean that we do. It is setting aside our own will, our own desires. It is giving up unholy influences, people in our life that are not contributing to our, to our spiritual growth and our success spiritually. It does mean giving up the sins of the flesh. Yeah, we might like to look at those pictures. We might like to drink those drinks, but sorry, if we want to be a follower of God and inherit the kingdom, there's things we have to give up. It might be giving up something we really, really love to spend time with and maybe all our time on or as much time as we can on. It might mean giving up old traditions that are contrary to the will of God and the word of God that we're clinging to that mean something to us emotionally because our family or our friends or some, some preacher that we really value showed us this way and taught us this way, and so we're hanging on to this. It might mean giving up an old way of life and sin. We, can't, we can no longer live according to our former life and our ignorance. It might mean giving up a false God that we worship, whether that's money or possessions or a relationship or family, whatever it is that we think is the source of our joy or our, our, of our peace or our happiness or our salvation. It might mean giving up ideas that we're really strongly attached to. It might mean loyalty, again, to family. It might mean giving up improper worship. There's a lot of ways in which we're taking this chisel and fashioning our lives according to the will of God and patterning ourselves after what He desires and not our own. And the more we do it, the more we will come out looking like the image of God who is holy. He says, be holy because I am holy. And that's the reason we ought to yield it to Him because we're making our lives look like His holiness. And if we refuse, if we're stubborn, if we're obstinate in our ways and decide, I'm not going to obey God, I'm not going to do what He wants. And we might never outright say that, but sometimes our actions will, will reveal our true intentions, just like it did for Saul. In 1 Samuel 15, Saul was given instruction to go destroy the Amalekites and they totally botched the operation. They didn't do what God wanted them to do. And then he started making excuses, trying to blame the other the people. And they, they thought, you know what? We're just going to gather up all the best of the things, and we're going to give this great sacrifice to God. And Samuel rebukes Saul. And he says this in, in verse 22, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Do you think God is going to be pleased with all these great, wonderful sacrifices that you decided to give him? Or do you think he's going to be more pleased with just doing what he asked you to do? That's the question. And we've already read the answer in the other verses that we've read. To do the will of God is better than sacrifices. And that's what he says here. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken, that means listen to God, than the fat of rams. Because what they ended up doing was ignoring the source of the information, and that led to an improper action. They gave the sacrifice of fools instead of giving the obedience that God wanted them in the first place. Notice what he says here in the seriousness of us not following God's will and, and rejecting His ways. Rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. That's how God views our rebellion against Him. And stubbornness, if we're just not going to do what God wants to because we're being stubborn, it's like iniquity and idolatry. That's how God views that. And that, that tells us a lot about how much God values our obedience and just submitting ourselves, our choices, our thoughts, our intentions, our ways to His will, and bring it into alignment with Him. 
And, and Saul, he says, because you've rejected the word of God, he's also rejected you from being king. Saul lost a great blessing that God had blessed him with because he refused to follow the word of God. And, and that can happen to us if we just continue on without doing what God wants, stubbornly. So if we're not willing to make the sacrifice of obedience like, like Saul, we will fail. But if we don't, if we learn to exercise this obedience muscle and continually do this over and over in our lives and follow this pattern of having faith and obedience to God, it's going to strengthen us. It's going to make us better. It's going to change the way we think and the way we live and the way we act and the, and the things that we do because that appropriate confidence will lead to the right action. And the more we do that, the better it is for our lives. In fact, it's so good that it helps us endure even when everything else seems to go wrong. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, there's that process, hear the word of God and do it, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. Living in obedience is the best thing we can do for our, ourselves. It's the best thing we can do for our lives. Just like God told the Israelites, obey me and it'll go well for you. Because God knows and understands. If we do this, it will help us to, be, to build, build up endurance in this life. When we hear and we do, it fortifies us for trials that come our way and for difficulties. And it'll enable us to do the hard things that God may require of us to do and face those difficult situations that we're going to face in our life. When people hate us or persecute us, or when we lose that job, when we lose that money, when we lose our health, when we lose our home, when we lose whatever it is that we lose, we'll be able to withstand that because we will continue to be trained in, that, in, in obeying God no matter what the situation is. We won't just give up and quit obeying God. We'll keep walking, and we'll get up from those things and ultimately have the endurance to keep obeying God and that will absolutely be worth the sacrifice and the pain and the difficulty. In Luke chapter 18, verse 29, he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake. That shows us we have to give things up, attachments to things even, and people, in order to pursue the kingdom of God and make that our priority. He says, there's nobody who has done this, yielded this sacrifice of obedience to God who will not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come eternal life. So there's blessings that we stand to gain if we have faith and obedience to God. He wants to give us blessings. In this life, we'll receive blessings. We're going to grow in holiness. We'll have great relationships with our family in Christ. We're going to be built up in strength. We're going to have shoulders to cry on. We're going to have people to help us through difficult times. And in the life to come, eternal life. What a blessing. There's blessings now and blessings to come. And so when we give up everything, which is what God wants from us, be a living sacrifice, give up everything, we stand to gain everything. And God wants to give us those blessings. In 2 Peter 1, chapter 3 through 4, it says, According as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that called us to glory and virtue. You see? The right source, the right information is what God has given us through His divine power. And it's everything we need that pertains to life and to godliness. 
through the knowledge of Him that called us to glory and to virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding and great precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. You see, God wants to bless us with holiness in our life, shaping us into His image, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, by yielding ourselves to His will. And this is all in view of a greater reward. And so if we go on living the way He instructs us, Peter lays out more there as he continues there in, in chapter 1. He says, if you add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, godliness, and to godliness, uh, kind, brotherly kindness, and, and all of these wonderful attributes and things that God expects us to grow and develop in our lives, he says, be diligent to do these things and live in this way so that when the time comes, you will receive a great blessing. And, and again, there's blessings in our life now, but it's in view of this greater blessing that is to come through Christ. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence. That means you're intentional and you're focused about doing this. You're, it's not living our life with our eyes closed. It's our eyes wide open with the knowledge that God wants us to have to do the things He wants us to do, to go where He wants us to go, to experience the thing He wants us to experience. Wherefore, the rather, and get, rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the world to come will receive the greatest blessing, inheriting the kingdom and being there with Christ and entering in after we receive that new body that is described in 1 Corinthians 15, transformed and capable of entering into this beautiful and wonderful place. And you might think and wonder, when you're going through those hard times in your life, is it, is it, is it all worth it? Because sometimes the burdens can feel like too much to bear. Is it worth it to continue to obey God during all of these difficulties? And the answer is yes. And Paul gives us this hope and this encouragement in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. For our light affliction. That's what Paul calls. Think about Paul, everything he went through. Being shipwrecked several times, being stoned, being beaten with rods, suffering hunger being cast out, being persecuted in every city that he went by, these, by, the, by the unbelieving Jews, being hated and despised, the scum of the earth. All of those difficulties and all the things that Paul went through, he looks at in his life and he says, these are a light affliction. That's what he calls it, a light affliction. How can he even view that that way? He views it that way in light of the greater sacrifice or the greater blessing that he stands to receive in Christ. He says, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. If we live this life with confidence in the Word of God, that teaches us about those unseen things, His eternal power and His Godhead, it will cause us to view our life just as a temporary moment of, of, of sacrificing to God in order to receive that great eternal blessing that will last for eternity. You see? It's a light affliction for a moment, 
in order to receive an eternal, everlasting promise and reward. And so it is absolutely worth the sacrifice we make today, giving up what we need to give up, forgiving who we need to forgive, mending whatever relationship we need to mend, giving those, those sinful ways up, or taking on the new things that God wants us to do and worship to Him and, and the, the, the things He requires of us. It's not easy, and I'm not telling you that it's simple or that it's just you can snap your fingers and all of a sudden your life is sunshine and rainbows. It's not that way. Real life as a Christian is, is messy. It's hard. It's, it's really painful sometimes when we have to give up things that we're emotionally attached to. But ultimately, it's a light affliction compared to what God wants to bless us with. Holiness and, and wonderful blessings in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. And so I pray that the study this morning has been beneficial to you as we think about giving God the sacrifice of obedience, understanding what can empower us and encourage us to do that. That's proper faith. Understanding the examples and seeing the people that went through the things in life that, that we go through and receive that reward and ultimately living and choosing to live in view of that great reward because it's absolutely worth it. If there's somebody here this morning who hasn't made the choice to submit themselves to God, obey from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered through the apostles to us from the Holy Spirit to, to put on Christ by being baptized into Him, washing away our sins. By re- That's how we are born again into Christ and receive this new life to now begin this process of transforming and living holy. If you haven't done that, we encourage you to do that. Be baptized into Christ to begin your life and your walk with Him. Yield to God the sacrifice of obedience that He wants from you. That is being His child. And maybe you're here this morning and you are a Christian. You have been baptized into Christ, but you know and you can see in your life these areas where you're not yielding the proper thing to God that He wants. We want to help you by praying with you to start and, and following up with study from His Word to, so that we can know what it is He wants us to do and how to make it through these difficulties in our life. If you're here this morning and you need prayers or you need salvation from Christ, either one, please come. Don't be ashamed. We're your family, and we're here to help. So please come forward as as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons each week, subscribe on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and God bless.